Hi, this is Oren. If you find these teachings useful and you'd like to learn more about my work, you can visit me online at orenjsofer.com or on social media at orenjsofer. Thanks so much. morning. I hope you rested well. So today we'll begin the metta practice. And this morning I want to offer just a little overview of the instructions, how the practice is done, some of the principles behind the actual technique which is quite different from mindfulness practice. We'll do a shorter meditation because there's a a little bit more to go over with the instructions and then have a little time to hear how it's landing with you and if there are any questions. So the structure of the practice in metta that we'll be offering is done through the repetition, the silent repetition of three or four simple phrases 
that express the spirit of metta, this kindness rooted in love that I talked about last night, using the image or the felt sense of another person. So we're saying or offering these phrases silently to someone. May you be happy, may you be safe, may you be healthy, may you live with ease. And over the course of the week, we'll progress through different categories or kinds of people in our life, those we know who are close to us, those we don't know, those we have some issues with, and then opening up more broadly to groups and eventually everyone, all living beings. So the phrases in metta practice are the vehicle for paying attention or the conduit for our attention. Just like in mindfulness practice, we might use the breath as an anchor and we keep coming back to the breath. In the same way, the phrases are our guide, like the lanes on a road. And saying this, remember this, keep coming back to this. The power of the practice is in the wholehearted gathering of our attention behind just one phrase. That's how this practice works, just one phrase at a time, aiming the heart with a sincere intention. So the phrases themselves, the spirit of the phrases, is like giving a gift or almost like a blessing. So... When we say silently in our mind, may you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy, or whatever phrases you're using, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, this is not a prayer. We're not praying to someone or something. It's not magical thinking. You know, like when you get back home, how are you feeling at 10 a.m. on on Thursday? (laughs) Did you feel a little bit happier? (laughs) Dang, it's not working. This practice is about transforming our own heart and mind. The inner atmosphere that we experience and the place from which we meet life. It's also not a demand. Like, may you be happy so I don't have to deal with... (laughs) You know... You'd be happy by the time I get home. <clears throat> so remember that the practice is unconditional, no strings attached. And it's that sense of just offering. So, what's neat about this is we kind of do this in everyday life. So, when you say goodbye to someone, you say, drive safely, you know, get home safe. It's, it's a wish, you mean it. And we know that it's out of all of our control, but we still mean it, right? There's no demand in it. Or like that story with Sharon last night, you know, I hope you have a happy birthday. It's just the offering. So it's like giving a gift without any expectation of getting something back or that the person's going to like you or... It's going to be the best gift they've ever gotten, right? It's just here. This is for you. Uh, The commentaries in the Buddhist tradition talk about distinguishing metta from other qualities. So it talks about the opposite, sometimes called the far enemy. 
And this is very easy to spot. The opposite of metta, goodwill, is ill will. Right? So actually feeling negative, aversive, hatred towards someone else. What's sometimes a little bit harder to spot is what's known as the near enemy, or I like to call it the decoy or the near miss. It, it, like it feels like metta, but when you actually look closely, it's a different state. And this is, uh, I like the translation Sharon uses, is control. So it's that sense of wanting something back, wanting someone to be a certain way, rather than this freely given, freely offered spirit. So there's some very important principles behind this technique of phrases and images and repeating these phrases all day long for the week. It can get kind of stale or boring. This is natural in using this technique. And the principles behind the practice can help us find our way with that. So the first principle is that the practice is meant to be done in the easiest way possible. Okay, if your mind is wandering, if you've spaced out, if you're thinking about lunch, now is the time to pay attention for just a moment. I'm going to say that again. The practice is meant to be done in the easiest way possible. That's how it works. So we start where it's easy. We try to make the body comfortable. We go slowly at a pace and a rhythm that feels supportive and soothing for us. Try not to struggle as much as possible. Try not to expect anything. Again, we're not trying to have a big experience, produce a feeling, or get to some special state. The transformative power of the practice is in the sincerity of our intent and in the willingness to just let go and begin again. That's what we're practicing. Not getting somewhere or feeling something. You see the difference? It's aiming the heart and then just beginning again and again and again. So doing it in the easiest way possible means means we're not straining, trying to force all of our attention onto the phrases. We're just lightly resting the attention with the phrases, repeating them with an easy rhythm. The tone is one of friendliness, kindness, and ease. So this sense of doing it in the easiest way possible also applies to the progression of categories. So we start where it's easiest, which for some people might be yourself. That's what it says in the texts. For many of us, it's not ourself. It's someone who's helped us, someone we care for that's very easy to feel warm feelings towards them called the benefactor, the mentor. And as much as possible in the practice, as we learn it, we're aiming for uncomplicated relationships. So generally, we advise not to use your spouse or intimate partner because those relationships come with a lot of other feelings and complexities. So a grandparent, a teacher, a niece or nephew, a child if you have one, a pet, Another important principle in the practice is balance. 
So in the same way that in our posture, we try to balance a sense of ease and comfort with alertness, vitality. The same thing in the phrases, we're balancing a certain kind of tranquility or calm, comfort, just a sense of taking our time, taking it easy, with some energy, some vitality, really meaning what we're doing. We're also balancing a certain kind of trust, you could say um, faith, with our own wisdom and discernment. So the trust aspect is, particularly if you're new to this practice, just run the experiment this week. You're here already, do the practice without trying to evaluate, is it working, is it working? Am I more loving, am I kinder? Just do the practice. And then next Tuesday, check it out. And then at the same time, we need to trust ourselves also. We need to use discernment. You know, if you're getting all tied up in knots, it's like, okay, maybe I just need to take a step back and just come back to mindfulness, be with the breath a little bit, and then start again. In the same way, there's a certain balance around the intent of the phrases and our own wisdom that's woven in. We call this the equanimity aspect. So like when you say to somebody, get home safely, embedded in that is the understanding that we don't know what's going to happen and we can't control life. In the same way, when we say, when we offer this blessing to someone, particularly if they're struggling, having a hard time, not well, and we say, may you be happy, embedded in that is the understanding that it's not up to us, but it's the wish that matters. So today we'll start, as I said, where it's easy, with what's traditionally known as the benefactor, and or oneself. We'll explore both categories and you can see what's easier for you. So the benefactor is defined as the person or being. When you think of them, you smile. This is someone who's helped you, who's supported you in some way, maybe who's mentored you, a teacher, a grandparent, an aunt or uncle. As I said, it might be a pet, a niece or nephew. And somebody for whom it's easy to feel a sense of warmth. When you think of them, something lights up inside. Generally, the instruction is to choose someone who's still living so that we don't end up moving into the grief or the loss for someone who's passed. It could be someone you know personally. It could also be someone you don't know, but who inspires you. Someone you've heard interviews with or listened to their teaching or talk. So you might think about a specific time you were with this person, a specific moment, how it feels to be with them, making it really concrete. Or if it's someone you haven't met, just how it feels to read this person's writing or hear them teaching or even see a photo of them, what happens inside, but that sense of it being really concrete. And as we practice with this 
category of the benefactor, all kinds of sort of challenges can come up. The mind can throw up a lot of what ifs or what about. So you're working with, I don't know, maybe maybe Joseph or Sharon really inspires you or the Dalai Lama and you're sort of trying to, offering metta and then all of a sudden you're like, they don't need my metta. They're doing fine. You know, like, what do I have to offer this person? And to just notice that, you know, why do we think that what we have to offer is so meaningless that it doesn't matter? Or we notice, like, there was that one time that you weren't there for me. All of this is okay. It's part of the practice. One of the things that we say is that one of the ways we learn metta is by noticing what's not metta. So you'll notice when the heart moves away from that simple spirit of kindness rooted in love to something else. It's like, oh yeah, that's not metta. I like to use the analogy of a tuning fork. Like once you have just one moment of connection with the phrases and metta, that's like being in tune. And then if it gets slightly sharp or flat, you notice it, you feel that. That's important. And then you come back, you come back again and again. If you start to get lost, if you have difficulties, if you feel stuck, you have options, okay? It's not meant to feel oppressive or to be a struggle. It's natural to feel bored, as I mentioned, with the form. So your most basic strategy, if you start to get turned around or worked up, is to just let go and begin again. Take a breath, reset, and come back. There are times that that's not working. It's like, if I say one more phrase, I'm going to scream. That's fine. Go back to mindfulness practice. Take some time with the breath, the body. Look out the window, mindfulness of seeing. Practice gratitude, uplift the heart. Do what you need to rebalance, reset, and then come back to the practice. Another option within the metta practice, if you're struggling, is to offer some metta to yourself, to just be kind and gentle with yourself. Offer some phrases, or just stay with the the feeling or the sense of that kindness for oneself for a little bit, and then pick up the practice. So, last piece, choosing your phrases. We've posted some suggestions on the board, including the traditional translation of the phrases from the original Pali, some of the phrases that have become more common in insight meditation tradition here in the West, which are the ones that I'll offer this morning. Um, If you're new to this practice, try it on. Over the course of the morning, between now and lunch, just listen and see what works for you. You can make up your own phrases. The key, there are two keys. One is that they're relatively simple and short. 
So it should be easy to remember. Right? Like I get to the second phrase and, and I get lost. Well, what's your phrase? You know, May all of the conditions in your life be supportive in order that you may realize your dreams and contribute in the best way possible in this great time of need. That's one phrase? Like short. Okay, short and simple. And then two, they should be general enough that they can apply to anyone. So we're not looking for the right phrase for each person. Okay? So I would say by lunchtime, settle on three or four simple phrases that work well enough for you. And the key is we don't want to be spending all of our time tweaking the phrases and thinking about them. Just be able to let go and settle into the practice. All right, so let's do some practice together and then we'll talk about it. So if you're not already, go ahead and sit comfortably. Take a deep breath, roll your shoulders. And sometimes with metta practice, it can help to begin with something that uplifts the heart or brings some ease or comfort or pleasure in to our heart and mind. <clears throat> so you could visualize being someplace you love, a place with nice weather. You could bring to mind something specific that you feel grateful for. And take a few moments to just really connect and sink into the appreciation for that scene, that place, the memory or condition that you appreciate. Just see if you can really let it fill you. It's kind of soaking in goodness. Notice how your body feels. Feel the support of the chair, the cushion, and the ground beneath you. And then perhaps to just say the word kindness. See what's evoked in the heart, if anything. Or if another word speaks to you more, silently saying that. Love. Goodwill.
And then bringing to mind the image or the sense of a benefactor. A person or being for whom it's relatively easy to feel a sense of warmth. And see if you can recollect a specific moment, being together, how it feels to have them see you, see their eyes seeing you. Recollect how it feels to be together in the same space, the same room. And to just begin from this sense of a, of a quiet connection. as if you could just let the kindness flow from your heart to theirs. We are inclining the mind towards kindness, towards this genuine wish for their well-being and happiness. And then in your own time, beginning to offer the phrases from your heart to theirs. And I'll say a few of the phrases that I like to use. You can try these on and repeat them silently. Or if you have your own phrases, you can use those. May you be safe and protected. May you be deeply happy. May you be healthy and strong. May you live this life with ease. May you be safe and protected. May you be deeply happy and peaceful. May you be healthy and strong. May you live this life with ease. holding the image or sense of this person or being. Placing your attention at the heart and the center of your chest, not because we're trying to feel something, but we're just open, available. And then silently, patiently, offering the phrases one at a time.
giving your heart's full attention to just one phrase. natural for the mind to wander, to lose track or forget. Part of the transformation of this practice is learning to just gently let go and begin again with patience, the sense of poise and with kindness. you're feeling some connection with this being, this person, sense of flow or ease, you can continue to offer phrases staying with them. 
Or, if you'd like, you can allow their image or the sense of that being to slowly fade and turn your attention inwards to yourself. That's an experiment, remembering that the practice is meant to be done in the easiest way possible. And just beginning to offer those phrases to yourself. And some people even find it helpful to place one hand over their heart. May I be safe and protected. May I be deeply happy. May I be healthy and strong. May I live with ease. not trying to feel a certain way. We're cultivating this genuine care and goodwill. One moment, one phrase at a time. May I be safe and protected, deeply happy and peaceful, healthy and strong. May I live with ease. Finding your own rhythm, allowing your attention to rest in your body, in the heart. Just taking it one phrase at a time.
if you like, beginning to widen your attention to everyone here in the hall, on the retreat, and just taking a few moments to offer the phrases for each other. May we be safe and protected. May we be deeply happy and peaceful. May we be healthy and strong. May we live with ease. Offering this kindness outward, sharing in it together. So I want to say just a little bit about what to do today with this. Uh, And then we'll see what questions are coming up for you. So my suggestion would be to choose either the benefactor category or yourself, whichever felt easier as your primary practice. That doesn't mean you can't do the other. It just means... Give more of your time and energy there, whichever is easier. Okay? If you're working with the benefactor, it's fine to have two or three different people or beings. This was a fairly short sit. Yeah? So if you're sitting for 45 minutes, you can cycle through different benefactors. The more, ver- the more you change, the person, you bring in someone else, you bring in the third person, you come back to the first person, the more that's going to bring energy into your practice. The more you just stay with one person, the more that's going to emphasize the the concentration, the calm, the tranquility. So you could stay with one person for the whole sit. If your mind feels like you can sustain that connection, it's not getting, you know, too rote and dry. Make sense? So use your own wisdom about when to change, whether you're with two people, three people, okay? And then just as we did in this sit, at the end of any period, you could offer a little metta for yourself, or you could offer metta for others. Stay with this category for the whole day. In the sitting, in the walking, Yang will talk a little bit more about how to do metta in walking. And just do the practice. 
Remember, our job isn't to make the practice work. It feels like nothing is happening most of the time. Just run the experiment. Something is happening. You can think of that analogy of gardening or cultivating the ground. We're just putting in the conditions and then letting nature take its course. Okay. How is this for you? What questions are coming up about the instructions? Yeah, and I'll just repeat the question so everyone can hear. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, because we do start with ourselves, I wonder if I'm a little bit biased about that because I simply haven't developed concentration yet since the first thing that we're doing. Yeah. Um, but because of that, you know, I'm definitely leaning towards the benefactor. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm wondering how you think I should handle Sure. So the, the comment was, um, this person has a tradition of practice where they always start with a little metta for self, hasn't had a lot of sort of connection with that, um, so is more inclined to start with the benefactor, but not sure and wondering. Start with the benefactor. Keep it simple, you know? We don't have to overthink this. So if your intuition is saying, maybe I should try something different, great, go for it. Can't do this wrong. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome, thank you. Yeah, please. Um, I was thinking of my children or my pet. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the strongest roles I think I've formed for myself is father. Mm-hmm. I imagine you can relate with. And so I can't help but feel responsible. Yes. For right. Right. So it's hard for me to separate that. Yeah. Gift right. Without feeling I have a role. Yeah. My, my job. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, comment is um, thinking of uh, his kids, pets, uh, feels a strong sense of the role of father. And so in coming with the phrases is that sense of responsibility to make them happy. Um, so two, two principles, again. One, you can't do this wrong. Fine. Two, easiest way possible. So on the first principle, great. Sounds like you're practicing. (laughs) You're noticing that it's not metta sometimes, right? That that sense of the attachment, the control, it's my job, is coming in. That's what this practice does, is it reveals to us the places where our heart is not free so that we can learn to touch our nose, right? How do you come back to that place, especially with your kids and your family that just says, hey, be happy, I love you, right? So it's the equanimity piece that gets developed in those relationships, the wisdom, the understanding, the letting go. We'll talk more about it as the week goes on. So totally fine to practice in that way. It's probably not the easiest place to start. So you could consider holding those 
particular beings that are so close for a little bit later in the week, once you've got some momentum, you feel like your concentration's a little stronger, and choose a different benefactor. Your choice. Yeah. Yeah, please. Um, I think I have a pretty difficult time with the benefactor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess my question is, you mentioned for the day to choose either a benefactor or yourself. Mm-hmm. And immediately I could feel myself saying, well, if I choose myself, that makes me a selfish dad. Right. <clears throat> okay. So, but if that is easier, how do I get over that? Yeah. Yeah, great. So um, noticing the complexity of all of our relationships as human beings, feeling like the benefactor is not apart from that, um, and you're feeling some inclination towards, yeah, it'd be a lot easier to just offer metta to myself, but then this doubt comes up or this criticism of, but that's really selfish, and then how to work with that. Yeah. How many people have that come up when you try to offer metta for yourself? Like, was this just all about me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my first metta retreat, he was here, um, and the first night I had so much difficulty offering metta to myself. I went to one of the teachers just in tears. I was just totally breaking down. Like, is this really okay to offer metta to myself? It's revealing, you know. The Buddha said something along the lines of, one who truly loves themselves will never harm another. I think it's worth considering if we really loved ourselves completely. Would that be selfish? What would the effect be? to love and accept oneself completely. So I think it's important to differentiate the healthy concern behind that doubt or criticism of genuine care for others, genuine compassion, a genuine desire to contribute, yeah? From the parts that are maybe distortions of some confusion, some lack of, lack of self-worth, internalized self-criticism or hatred, yeah? And then to trust and run the experiment from a place inside that maybe knows or trusts something else. We'll explore other ways of offering metta to oneself. I'll just say briefly just two things you can play with that could help. One um, is to think of yourself as a child. We generally don't, like that stuff doesn't come up as much when we're thinking of a child because the innocence and purity is so clear, right? This is one strategy. Another is to think of the benefactor offering metta to you. 
This is a very beautiful way to practice. Have them send the phrases to you and just take it in. And then at some point you can switch to letting them fall away and just offering metta to yourself. So just just to put a pin in it, I would say go with it. Offer metta for yourself. Trust the part that knows it's not selfish, that it's okay. And then work with the, the pieces that come up. To just, when you can, just set them aside. You know, thank you and come back if you need to bringing kindness into that or putting the whole thing down for a little bit and regrouping. Okay, I'm going to stop here. We'll have time for more questions um, at various various times today, which I'll, which I'll talk about. I want to make just a few announcements about our day and then pass it over to Yang, who will talk about walking. So as I said, some sample phrases are posted. Feel free to check those out. Um, Starting today, there we were in the hall for most of the sits yesterday. Starting today, we'll be meeting with you in small groups to talk about your practice and answer more questions that are coming up, which means we're not going to have the time to be here in the hall. So we'll have a practice leader up here for every sit or perhaps down at your seat. Don't worry, if you don't see someone up here, someone's got a bell and a clock. <laughs> Along those lines, um, we need a practice leader for the 6.30 sit, which is the the time that the affinity groups also meet. So there should be a sign up on the board to sign up for that. So if you're willing to do that, please do. We'll have movements with Lissa again today and each day here in the hall at uh, 2.30 after lunch. And then we'll meet again as a whole group at 3.30 for a guided meditation, some more instructions, uh, and then more time for questions. And then finally, starting today, um, we'll begin meeting in small groups. So half of you will have a group today with one of us, and the other half will have a group tomorrow. So if you don't see your name on the board today, don't worry. If you don't see your name on the board tomorrow, and, and it's not on the board today, leave a note for the office There were some last-minute changes for the groups for a variety of reasons. Um, So even if you already checked the board, and especially if you didn't, please check the board on your way out to see if you're in a group. Because of the schedule, it's very difficult to reschedule if you miss your group. So all of our groups will be upstairs. The room numbers are posted on the board. And all of the, the rooms upstairs have little little numbers on them. If you're in a group and the group ends during the middle of a sitting in the hall, please don't come into the hall late. You can sit anywhere in the center in your room, outside if you have good clothing for that. Um, wait until the period ends before you come come into the hall. Okay, enjoy your practice. Thank you. Just was eager. (laughs) So uh, I'll say a few words about uh, walking meditation. And were you volunteering to demonstrate? (laughs) It's okay. 
Um, yeah, so I'm really appreciating the, the clarity and uh, simplicity of Orrin's instructions. And, and this is something that we can just apply in our walking meditation practice in the in-between times throughout our day. And, and um, it's an opportunity as well to explore some of these principles that Orrin talked about, this uh, finding the easiest way possible, exploring balance in a very embodied felt sense. So as we're moving through space, as we're walking, uh, whatever activity we might be engaged in, to feel into rather than think our way through to what is balance? How does it feel to start to find this balance between wholeheartedness, being really engaged with the practice and the phrases, but also in a way that feels easeful? It's not a bunch of hard work or feels like I'm really doing a lot in this. So, But allowing the body to begin to have a lot of... Uh, uh, of, of uh, participation in that in that getting to know that balance and um, some ways you might explore as Oren introduced us into the guiding meditation I, I really like the just pausing to appreciate this is a beautiful center in the walking spaces and then outside even on a little bit of an overcast day, moments of just taking in what feels simple, easeful, beautiful, touches the heart and allow that to begin to connect with this sense of the heart that opens, that's willing to share the goodness, this wish. You might explore um, uh, walking uh, with a benefactor, this felt sense or this image of being with. And then, you know, if you notice uh, or hear a sound or, or see something beautiful or feel or experience, oh, bringing that benefactor into this image and this, and this wish to share naturally, the share of this experience naturally could uh, be channeled into this intention. Oh, may you be well. So again, encouraging, as uh, Oren said, to explore the phrases, but to, to kind of land on simplicity. And here in the walking practice, we're allowing this intention, these phrases, the metta practice, to be uh, that ground to which we return to. So it's not that we're disconnected from the body or that we're... Um, not feeling the feet as we're walking, but really that the, the phrase is that home to which we keep returning and beginning again. So we're going to notice as we're walking, we'll look around, we'll find ourselves in the story. Maybe there's a moment of feeling the body again, but then we return to the phrases. So the phrases become this primary uh, home base for our practice. And, and while there can be uh, um, a little bit of exploration, running the experiment, as Oren said, a, a bit of creativity, feeling our way through this first full day 
of metta practice, the, the invitation to really keep it simple for oneself. You know, not make it too big of a, a project, too complicated, too many options. And uh, it's good enough. You know, and so just to offer oneself that gift. So, so taking this uh, practice into walking into the rest of our day. Yeah, I think that's it. Good enough. Yeah, thank you.